2: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: All right. Yeah, I know. Now, I need you all for a project. James Jeffries, a friend of Robert's, is sponsoring Dumpty Dum. He is very nearly as clever as Robert and actually slightly more creative. (laughs) He builds prototypes for the web and does some amazing things for data, for arts and culture. In fact, I may ask him to work on the village website if I can loosen Jennifer's grip on the thing. He's worked with all the best people, you know. <laughs> The BBC research and development team creating interactive story explorers for home front and peaky blinders for the London Philharmonic Orchestra, creating a prototype of a searchable archive of their historic performances. Once, he even built some tweeting receipt printers for a Bill Drummond exhibition. Now that's the kind of innovation we need for The Village Show. So if you'd like to talk to him about your project idea, you could get in touch with him at Robert, Robert, what's his email address? James at shedcode.co.uk, that's James at s-h-e-d-c-o-d-e dot dot uk or you can have a browse of his website shedcode.co.uk. do tell him I was looking for him if you see him won't you I want him to design me a digital resurgium stone <laughs> no! Hello, everybody at Dumpty Dum. This is Auntie Jean
4: here at the London meet-up of Dumpty Dum. We've had a lovely time, and even though Derek in the back bedroom, Royford and Lucy have had to go, the rest of us are going to sing a Dumpty Dum. So, are we ready, ladies? We are. One, two, three. Dumpty, 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 Dum, Dumpty, Dumpty, da da, Dumpty, 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 Dum, Dumpty, diddly dum, Dumpty, diddly dum, diddly dum,
5: diddly dum. Dumpty 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 Diddly Dum!
6: <laughs> this is Dumdy Dum, the show about the reality docu drama that's centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the potent ram that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have, as the whole of Twitter predicted, the torn scrotum that is.
7: Lucy Freeman.
6: And the last part of our pricey vets visit, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from Auntie Jean and her Christmas crew. Uh, they were all down there in central London, being all festive, weren't they, Lucy? They were. Well, we were there as well. Yeah, no, that's yes. the, that's the reason why we could report and say that they were down there being all festive because we were there also.
7: <laughs> Not being festive because we all had to leave early, but anyway.
6: Yeah, it was lovely, beyond belief, to see Dumb dummers just before Christmas. Now, Lucy, mm-hmm. if somebody would like to send us a dumdy dum how can they do that?
7: If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or make your overworked and underpaid husband feel massively guilty at this magical time of year, then ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shed Code for sponsoring us and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Um, Derek is in shock. He's just returned from a sightseeing weekend uh, in London. He came down for the for Auntie Jean's thing. Um, He meant to book everything online, but instead of using TripAdvisor, he accidentally downloaded Grindr instead and his trips to see Big Ben and Black Rod weren't at all (laughs) what he was expecting.
6: (laughs) On this week's episode, we have calls from Dusty Substances, who doesn't want Brookfield to have the best Christmas ever, Witherspoon, who's flipping a coin, Fiona Siobhan, who's having deja vu, and Jojo Sexy Heels, who brings us a gift of Christmas. But first, before all that, it's Juicy Lucy Freeman's week in Ambridge.
7: We began the week with Jenny, who had left Piggy in the car with the engine running. A dangerous move at Bridge Farm where any vehicle is liable to spring into action and mow down the nearest passerby. Piggy then moved on to Grey Gables, where she decided to stick her oar into the Damara land grab. Justin now seems to have got bored with Lillian and has set his sights on both Jennifer and Piggy, which was a turn up. Oh, you look lovely, Jennifer. And there's your beautiful mother. Brian's eyes lit up as he thought he might get a better deal if he threw his Mrs. Andy's mother-in-law in in as a job Hmm. lot. I'll get Peggy to take her teeth out, Justin. That's got to be worth an extra 50k. Then there was another slightly icky moment when David suggested getting his mother and his daughter drunk as then they'd be all over each other. Dr. Freud would have a sodding field day in Ambridge. Your mum's like a child about Christmas, said David to Pip as screams of mince pie induced fury echoed round the yard. Yes, she throws tantrums, sulks through one year and then demands an extra special Christmas the next year. Johnny has gone into modelling. With his colouring, he'd look good under stage lighting, Amber said. Well, if Mm. she's called Amber, she'd know about lighting. What does that mean anyway with Mm -hmm. your colouring? What is he, a chameleon? No wonder no one sees him coming. Blimey, Johnny, I didn't see you there. You'd blended in completely with the sewage bed. (laughs) Over at Rickyard Cottage, Toby was feeling as close as he gets to guilt about Pip paying for everything. You can pay for next Christmas, Toby, said Pip, as if he's still going to be living at Rickyard next Christmas, Pip. If I were you, I'd think twice before lending him a quid to go to the shop as the next thing you do would be a postcard from the Orkneys telling you he'd accidentally fathered 17 children and could he possibly borrow a fiver? Kate met Neil and Toby in the pub. I was just telling Toby about the shave I had this morning, said Neil. He was so fascinated, I was just about to let him know about the poo I'd had afterwards. (laughs) Oh, goodness me, Linda is worried about the panto. Apparently she's having second thoughts about the people she cast. I just cut and pasted that bit from the monologue this time last year. The only (laughs) thing that seems to have gone on more about the ruddy panto is the Carter family photo shoot, which seems to have taken up every bit of this year that wasn't taken up with domestic violence and custard emma is back to her old tricks demanding a proper family day out at the pantomime and then they can go over their proper family overdraft and have a proper family bankruptcy a proper grundy christmas in other words she (laughs) left ed such detailed instructions about how to book the pantomime tickets i couldn't really understand why she didn't just book the damn things herself and who keeps their bank card in a drawer why isn't it in someone's wallet she wants to go to this bloody pantomime because it's got the man from EastEnders in it. Sean O'Connor, he has done well, hasn't he? I just wish Freddie had more confidence in himself, said Elizabeth. Maybe I should stop calling him Mr. Thicky Thick Thick. That might help. Anyway. Mm-hmm. He modelled a dinner jacket at Lily's fashion show By the way, scriptwriters, this was a college fashion show A college fashion show makes Alexander McQueen look like Winsmore Nobody would be wearing a dinner jacket unless it was asymmetrical, made out of dead crows and the model had a television aerial coming out of his bottom (laughs) Alistair got Shula something special for Christmas, he says It's a rubber joint Master of the Hounds outfit with an extra bendy whip It's for work, said Alistair, dribbling (laughs) Oh, I do want to make this Christmas lovely for everyone, said Jenny. Oh, Jenny, do you never learn. If you spend the whole of December saying... Well, this Christmas is going to be a pigging disaster. Debbie will come back from Hungary and start throwing her weight around. Adam will get jealous and flounce out. Kate will get pissed and annoy everyone. And Justin will be upstairs rodering my mother. You've got half a chance of it being okay. As it is, if you really want to make Christmas at Home Farm go with a swing, then you should invite the girl who lets people put their hand inside her shirt in front of an entire college full of people. She sounds like the most interesting person in Borchester by far. The end. Mm.
6: Oh, goodness. Sorry, you, you caught me on the hop <laughs> there.
7: Yes, my punchlines were rather dictated by when I needed to cough then.
6: <laughs> mm. And I had a mouthful of coffee just as you went, the end. but <laughs> well, I just swallowed it in time. Well done, Freeman. I, I quite enjoyed that, cool. that this week. Yeah. So you obviously seem to know quite a lot about college fashion shows.
7: Well, only that um, I've been to a few of them.
6: Mm-hmm. And um, I did one a
7: couple of years ago. I went and did the PR for it and everything. Ooh. And they're all, you know, you have you have bizarre um, people with funny head. You just you know what it's like. You just have clothes that nobody in their right mind would ever actually wear. But that's not the point, is it? They're supposed to be sort of visionary and um, and, uh, you know, it's concept, isn't it? And hmm. then you get fusion ranges, which are what people actually end up wearing. Apart from you who goes around wearing a leather kilt. But, you know, you wouldn't have a dinner jacket. They just, that just wouldn't even come up as a category.
6: Mm, was my kilt leather? Wasn't it? No. Wasn't it? No.
7: It was a leather skirt or something. That thing you wore. What was that?
6: Very stylish is the answer. Yes,
7: but what was it though?
6: It was. It was some kind of kilt type thing, but it wasn't leather.
7: But it was a skirt.
6: It was a kilt. Okay. And there's a difference. But not leather. Was it PVC? That must have been very sweaty. <laughs> Well, no, no. There, were, there was there were enough vents to allow things to breathe. So you, you, oh, good. You, you needn't worry. Okay. Um, what else happened last week on the Archers, Lucy? Before we jump into the calls. Um,
7: well, Ruth is behaving. <sighs> Ruth is is. Uh... Ruth is
6: being a grown up.
7: Do you think that's what she's doing?
6: Well, she wants a family to be around her at Christmas, and she's somewhat frustrated.
7: But she suddenly loses it, doesn't she? She goes. Oh no oh no, oh no, oh no, completely furious, and there's kind of nothing in between. She just suddenly leaps into this um kind of uh, d- d- really aggressive thing she she just has not forgiven the archers for anything she hasn't forgiven them for her mi mother dying in a mm. petrol station she hasn't forgiven them for the whole Hadley hock business uh she hasn't forgotten forgiven david for sort of uh, you know um fanning around between his mother and his wife and and not seeming to be sure what who he should be consulting and she keeps a lid on it and then when things happen uh, like this this issue over pip she just absolutely loses it completely and and all the pent-up aggression suddenly comes whooshing out
6: Hmm. well i think it's pretty understandable really because her mother-in-law's been a total ass and she is trying to keep peace, but is frustrated with that fact and with the fact that David is not really confronting it, so no. I think it's totally understandable myself, right you know you don't wanna you know have a stand up row with a, an eight year old woman do you you know but you that's
7: to... exactly where it's heading, isn't it? yeah
6: know, absolutely, just in time for Christmas, which is great, yeah. great for us, you know? yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've always loved me a little bit of Hootie Jill. But boy, oh boy, is she just being bang out of order. But it's just great.
7: It's interesting, isn't it? She's gone for so long. All we, you know, she was Jill and the lemon drizzle cakes. And Jill is the one who always said, "I, I don't like it when, you know. I can't bear it when there was atmosphere and da 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 da. Yeah. And she's always been the peacemaker. And this time she is right in the middle with a massive, you know, stir up Sunday. Bloody hell. Yeah. She's, you know, stirring up everything at the minute.
6: Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Now, talking about kind of stirring things up, what did you reckon to old Rob turning up at the door?
7: Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I thought, I panicked, actually, because I thought.
6: That's never oh, good my god panicking is never good lucy
7: no i did think oh my god they are actually going to do some kind of ridiculous redemption christmas redemption story then i sort of came to my senses and thought we're not going to have christmas redemption because that would be nuts after after all the, the 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 you know the sort of the feeling that's been generated by this storyline but if you look at um him in terms of his behavior so far What's happened is he's been given a boundary. He's been told you are not to contact Helen, you are not to contact the children, you are not to see them outside of the contact hours, blah, blah, blah. So what he would do, and which is absolutely true to form, is that he, uh, you know, is bust the boundaries. So the first thing he does is try and bend them and he's going to see how far he can get. So he would, it's absolutely true to form that he would then turn up at the house. He would say, I know you said I can't, but can I, mm. um, you know, and then try and push it and push it and push it. And then ultimately, at some point, he's going to say, I knew I could still get round you, Helen. I knew I knew you still love me. I knew that you 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 can't get away from me mm. because that's what his he's been told. No. And that to him doesn't mean no. It means challenge and try harder we be more manipulative just push it and push it and push it
6: i tell you the thing which i thought was significant though i've slightly rode back on it now is the fact that when he gets to the door and he's having the conversation he actually says alan has made me realize that mm. i've done things wrong <laughs> but that's now, a total lie isn't it well but he said it though you know he connected up um, what Alan had been saying to him, though Alan has hardly been explicit. You no, know, it does.
7: Alan could have said to him, "Rob, you are completely right. Uh, you've behaved impeccably. Helen's a nightmare," and he would. He's just think. He just knows that's the way that will make him sound most convincing to Helen.
8: Mm. Well, he knows
7: exactly what he knows exactly what Alan was trying to say, and he knows exactly what it could be expected of him to respond. And, you know,
6: Mm. I think I do agree with you, because at first I thought, bloody hell. All right. We've got him slightly wrong. Stress on the word slightly wrong in that he has got no level of introspection. But then I remembered the episode before when Helen goes to meet Jess and Jess does very clearly say, has he turned up on your doorstep yet? Yeah. So this is his modus operandi, isn't it? This is this is kind of kind of what. Well, he, does. he did
7: after Jess left. He went straight off to see her and shagged her.
6: Mm.
7: And it's to prove I can still do it.
6: Yep. 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 To
7: make their own internal reality stronger, they have to they have to do these things to make their to make them be, themselves be right. Yeah. Because they have to be right, so they have to they have to demonstrate. Uh, to themselves and to and to anyone else that that ultimately they are in control of the universe because they can make things happen mm. the way that they want them to.
6: Well, you know, someone who for whom prospects are looking up. Do you know who this is? Um, no, whose prospects are looking up? Little Lord Freddy, because it's. I think it's significant that twice in one week. He did something well. Had oh his... yeah, he did his yeah.
7: driving test, didn't he? Yeah.
6: And he was driving looking test. swish on on the catwalk. Yeah. yeah. So maybe going, you know, slumming it with the oiks um is going to be the making of Little Lord Freddy.
7: Well, I think he'd probably have done well in his driving lesson, whichever school he was at, but certainly the um the the the, the fashion show, yeah. Well, I did think that was so funny. I loved that bit where Jennifer is getting ready. She just wanted to be with me. Jennifer getting ready going, oh, I don't want to go to this. It's stupid. What am I going to this for? I'm such a martyr. I don't even want to go. It's going to be boring and irritating. And then she gets to her and says, oh, Ooh, I think it's, it's so important to support that <laughs> people. You massive hypocrite, Jennifer. But at least she knows that
6: she is. Mm. Oh, I loved it.
8: <laughs>
6: anyway, um, we should stop wittering and um, maybe jump to at the caller is.
7: oh and also all the sorry but all the um all the sniggering we about there. um um lillian uh you know are you is she ha- you are you ha- uh justin seems very happy with lillian's performance and all that <laughs> 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 and Brian coughing you're all right brian we've got this cold that's going around <laughs>
8: <laughs>
7: <laughs> i love that bit too. yes yes, yes sorry
6: yes thank you
3: Hello, Ambridge 3962.
6: Who's first, Lucy? Dusty. Mm
5: Mm-hmm. The only one who could ever reach me was the son
0: of a preacher man. Hello, everyone. It's Dusty Substances, the wrong sort of listener here. Um, I just thought I'd say a little bit about uh, what I would like to happen in Ambridge at Christmas. Um, I could go on about Rob and him combusting. I could go on about oh, I don't know, Justin and all of that sort of thing. But actually, the bit I would really, really, really like to happen is um, for the Brookfieldites not to have the best Christmas ever. Um, Every year, they, they land on their feet and they have a wonderful time. And then we get David and Ruth saying smugly to each other how lucky they are. Um, Their children are totally wonderful. Well, actually, I don't know about Ben, but your other children aren't totally wonderful. Um, I'd like Josh to really foul up big time selling this lawnmower or whatever it is to... um, whatever thing me bobs Thwaites. And I really, really want something horrible to... um, go on with the still and uh, preferably combust. I mean, it can take Rob with it, but um, I I don't want them to wrap it all up nicely and Pip come round with, Toby at Christmas and Jill say, "I'm sorry, I've been such a wrapped bag. I want it to be horrible Um, because that's what happens at Christmas sometimes, isn't it? If you're going to have a really, really nasty argument, then Christmas Day is as good as any. So I'd like um, something very incendiary to go on at Brookfield, and for them not to have had the best Christmas ever, and that would be really lovely. However, I do want all my lovely, lovely Dumpty Dum friends to have the best Christmas ever, lovely lots." Bye. Well, I think things are going to go wrong at Brookfield,
7: actually. Dustus? I mean I know I know we always go about uh, go on about like the Christmas panto and it, you know, it never it's, it's going to be a complete disaster, but it never is. Um and then this is going to be the best Christmas ever. But I really can't see how, with the schism between Les Archeurs at the moment, how how they are going to have a nice Christmas because Pip is going to be kind of more there in her absence than if she was actually there um jill's going to be chuntering on about toby because she can't she just she's just obsessed and she can't stop talking about it um ruth's going to be annoyed because she thinks jill's scuppered her chances of spending her Christmas with her daughter um you know it, it i can't see how anything unless we have some ridiculous you know a plane flies into Brookfield and everybody's rescued at the last minute. I can't see how think how it is going to be a happy Christmas. Mm. Um, yes. So maybe you will get your Christmas wish and things will go horribly wrong for the archers, Dusty.
6: <laughs> I, I must admit, when uh, Ruth had to kind of remind David stroke us that, you know, it's a first Christmas without her family, which, you know, a family is just, just a mother, um, mm. I did think, oh, you know what? you poor cow you, you should have um, your kith and kin around you yeah. uh, and then also there was the fact that you know this time last year you know David was thinking that his you know his family was kind of all over and he kind of confessed that to yeah. Brian didn't he uh, yeah I didn't think he's going to come back um, but know, yeah, I without because uh, I've got nothing to add other than I'm just rubbing my hands with glee Bring on the friction, <laughs> bring on the tension, bring on the Barneys. That's what I say, Jill. You're bang out of order and wrong, but I, but I love it, I absolutely love it. Um, so, but anyway, um, have we got anything else to say to Dusty uh, who's no. now enjoying her retirement?
7: Yes, happy retirement, Dusty.
6: Mm. Mm.
7: Fiona Siobhan is next.
1: Hello, Dumpty Dum. Fiona Siobhan here, just home from my annual role as Mother Goose, telling stories to children. I've been thinking about the story arc that surrounds the panto. It never changes. The same thing year after year, with just a slightly different cast. Like a hall of mirrors, a play within the play within the archers. It always begins with Linda fussing like a sheepdog, rounding up her cast and snapping at their heels until the twin brothers of reason soothe her nerves, usually Brother Neil of the Practical Applications and Brother Robert of the Wise Council. There is always the village idiot, walking blithely into a trap that the rest of us can see, this year played by Pip, not to be confused with the benign village fool, meant to make us laugh. It used to be Nigel, then Kenton, but now he is being superseded by the largest goose of all, Toby Fart, brother. Watch out, he's behind you, it's the villain. It was Rob, but Justin may be poised to take over that role. And the Dame, oddly in Ambridge, played by an older woman, a flapping of her hands and complaining. This year it's Jill, so we know that the custard pie fight will be delicious. The Princess, up in the tower awaiting rescue, played by Roy this year. And we're all waiting for him to let his hair down. And here comes Linda, a snapping and a yapping, until the Brothers of Reason calm her nerves, and the hero arrives, all party coloured tights and white steed. And it's Kirsty. It's always Kirsty. And that's how the story arc goes, year after year after year. It's tedious. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes. It is.
4: I
7: like this idea. The thing I like particularly about it is Roy waiting to be rescued as the princess.
8: <laughs> I quite
7: like the idea of Roy in a long, rippling, blonde, nylon wig. Um, it is exactly the same. It is exactly the same every year. Um, oh, and and But it's quite interesting now that um, Toby seems to have taken over the Kenton role. I don't know whether Kenton is... It's got something else on, maybe, or a bit Nigel except not as good natured. Because all that business um, recently, I know we're not supposed to talk about the last week, but as we're not going to do one on Monday, we can. Um, uh, where they were creeping up on the calendar girls' reunion, and, um, you know, and Toby's going, Where are you going? Are you going to go and do a naughty thing? Oh, well, wait for me then, because my shift finishes in 10 minutes. I'll come with you, blah, blah, blah. It was absolutely classic, Nigel. <coughs> it was no,
6: classic yeah. Nigel, and I don't to derail your point.
7: Is there a jape to be had? Then I mm. want to be in it. Or, or it was Kenton.
6: You are, yeah. you are right because it was always Kenton and Nigel, wasn't it?
7: Yeah, yeah. But Edging
6: there's something. Each other on.
7: There's a slight edge to Toby that isn't so nice because you know Kenton and and Toby, Kenton and Nigel would genuinely do things for the village and think they would just do it for the sake of the village because. Mm. You know, they would. They would. You know, Kenton would be the um the announcer for the the um various village yeah. shows that sort of thing, and Nigel would would do nice stuff. But um, with Toby, it, he's he's sort of dismissive of village things. Um, but you know, there was that kind of, you know, the the cheeky barman. It is quite mm.
6: young, Kenton. Can I just say that that yeah. episode was just bonkers? I just thought that it it was kind of clunky beyond belief and just yeah. would would God. and
7: anyway Neil Wait, would be no, sodding no, delighted if what? she'd said go and have an evening in the pub
6: well that's what I was just about to say actually he was behaving would as Neil, if would Neil you know? want to sneak back on the off chance of seeing his wife in the buff <laughs> you know doesn't he see that just about every morning every night before he gets into bed it's like you know and to take along some men to see your wife in the buff, you just and he's, he's too much of a bell ringing church warden, isn't he? He wouldn't but be. But wasn't wasn't that. he
7: more likely to be going back to try and control what Eddie and
6: Toby were the doing? The whole thing was just
7: it was, I mean, it was. It was quite funny, but it's sort of like eye rolling. what The hell, <laughs> yeah.
6: No, they, they 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 were they were stretching credulity yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah trying to remind us of the good old japes that could happen happen on the arches. but anyway anyway who's next
7: uh with a spoon hey baby i hear the
2: blues are calling Toss salads and scrambled eggs mercy with a spoon and angus haggis here wishing happy holidays to lucy royfield millie bell and all dumpty dimmers around the world Okay, enough of the niceties. Which unpleasant person shall we talk about first? Rob or Toby? Toby or Rob? I'll flip a coin. Toby it is. Up until recently, while I disliked Toby's roguish and selfish ways, I could tolerate him. That is, until he decided to put the still in hollow tree because he found a loophole in the lease with David. Reminded me of something that Rob would do. Then Toby made a very planned decision of telling Pip about his last argument with Jill, effectively blowing up the Brookfield Archer Christmas. Then, to top it all, after a brief and superficial show of gallantry, he accepts Pip's life savings of £5,000. You know this is not going to end well. I wonder what is going on in Pip's head. Is she having doubts even when she talks as if Toby is the aggrieved party in this family conflict? She certainly hasn't wondered why Toby's own brother has stopped acting civilly toward him. Speaking of which, wouldn't you think that Ruth would wonder why Rex has stopped talking to the Tobster? And then Ruth went from zero to 100 in her fury toward David and Jill. And this, just after David and she had what sounded like a very merry anniversary celebration. Ruth certainly hasn't resolved her feelings of resentment toward the Archer clan in the last year. I feel sorry for David, and I continue to support Jill in her telling it like it is. One question about Rob. Did I miss the intensive psychotherapy you received from Alan last week to transform his hateful heart to one filled with longing for Helen and the boys? But underneath, he's still as controlling as ever. Seriously, I do think he's a suicide risk, so perhaps that, and not a kidnapping, will be the Christmas Eve event, and that Alan will talk him down off the church spire. Not quite it's a wonderful life, as Rob certainly is no George Bailey, but that would be one thing which would make a dent in Linda's plan for the panther this year. Maybe no one's going to have a happy Christmas after all. I'd be a busy man if I were in Ambridge, and if anyone in the village ever saw a shrink... Talk to you soon.
7: What is going on in Pip's head? He says. That is a question. Not a great deal, I think. I think it is an echoing void of juvenile
6: showing off. No. You, you, uh, for the last four weeks, have masterfully explained what's going on and the fact that um, I might slightly disagree when you say she's got no life experience at all, right but you say basically she's she's a young thing she doesn't really know um she hasn't got that much experience uh in relationships she finds herself in this one and and then for a whole load of reasons which we don't need to repeat now her grandmother is actually pushing her even further towards this man who's clearly not suited to her yeah. that's what's going on and you've spent the last four weeks explaining what's going on so that you can't do that and just turn around and say but I don't know what's going on
7: no but I know I do I do understand that she it, it is the thing that she's just backed herself into a corner but mm. she doesn't seem to be acting with any sort of consistency really um I suppose I suppose she is in that she is sticking to her guns that if she goes there with with Toby it will be awful and she doesn't want to ruin it for everybody else um which I think she is quite right but uh yeah, I, she's she stopped thinking about it with any with any um perspective she's just reacting in the moment I mean when she said she'd lend him that money I mean, she thought about it for about a second and a half before she said, oh, well, I can get I can give you the money. Mm. You know, it's just she's not she's not operating from the adult rational side of her of her brain. She's so determined to prove her parents wrong that she's, you know, on this sort of suicide mission um, to uh, to to, or she's giving him the she's giving him all the tools to destroy her with in the hope that he won't do it so that she can then prove her parents wrong. But I think we all think that that's not going to work,
6: mm. or is she just kind of in love and actually believes in the idiot? <sighs> you know, she actually does believe in him. You know, there's been I don't enough times. She does. Well, I don't get any no, that she does. no, that's not true. It, she does, she does have moments of reality, but then she has said, "Oh, this little bit, this bit of gin does taste nice." Oh, that's a good idea uh, for this and that, Toby. She, but she does have moments. Where she says, "Toby, are you sure?" Right? But yeah. then again, isn't that just the normal, you know, wane and waft or whatever the expression is of of relationships? It was interesting, that whole scene where David says, oh, yeah, you know, the money, we'll, inve- we'll inve- give, give yeah. you some money. And she goes, um, yeah. um, uh, you know, you know the cold-hearted reality of what she'd actually done, you know, yeah. and the fact that it will be exposed, you know, hit her yeah. right in between yeah. the eyes there. Yeah.
7: I mean, when you think about it, she hasn't known him that long. The first encounter she had with him was when he was shagging her cousin at a one-night stand and then, you know, left her. Uh, <clears throat> she, her second encounter was when uh, she, he turned the uh, the pool at home farm purple with the rattle powder. You know, it, he hasn't done. He's he's had. He's been booted out of a business by his own brother. He's proved himself to be massively unreliable. Consistently, I don't know where her optimism is coming from. It's not based in anything. It's not based in any fact, is it?
6: Yeah, but it's based on the fact that he's somewhat charming and he excites that part of her that's receptive to that you mm-hmm. know he's charming with other people he knows actually how to get round her he knows how to excite her she would say she feels alive when she's with him he's exciting
8: yeah, yeah. oh
7: god god save us from exciting men Um. right next Jo Joe. Heels whoa
6: whoa whoa what? whoa whoa What's that (laughs) really supposed to mean?
7: Oh, I've just... Mm. Oh, I think. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to work out how much of this I can say.
6: Well, say what you think, and then there's always the edit process.
7: That's very true. No, I have a friend who uh, she doesn't listen to this, so I feel fairly okay about saying this. Mm. Who who met a Toby? two years ago and uh she's now he moved in with her very very quickly uh she then discovered there's lots of parallels actually that he had another life that was extremely complicated before her that involved criminal activity um or actually domestic violence oh dear um yeah Uh, But she kept saying, you know, we were all very worried. She kept saying, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He's not like that anymore. He's not like that anymore. You just don't know him. You don't know him. And I saw her a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he persuaded her to buy uh, a property because he wanted to live in the country. So that's what they're doing. And he's now uh, drunk a lot of the time. He hasn't got a job. He's become known to the police in the area where she's now living she's supporting him and she can't kick him out uh because she he said you're gonna have to pay me to go away basically and when <laughs> when uh, when she first um met him and and we were chatting and everything she was telling me about him and every single alarm bell in my head was ringing so loudly I could barely hear her over the noise. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, my God. And she said to me, <clears throat> um, I know what it sounds like. I know what it sounds like, but he's not like that. Uh, I'm so fed up with, you know, my sister saying you shouldn't have done this and I'm worried that I'm going to ring you one day and you won't answer and I won't, I won't know if you're hurt or something, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I tried really hard to be supportive Mm. While at the same time continually giving her options and saying, if you need to, you know, ring me, you know where you know, it was terrible. It still is terrible. And uh now she's come to her senses and you know, she's sort of stuck with him. Um I'm hoping things are gonna change very soon. Um but she described him to me as for the first time I feel alive. He is exciting. And he was exciting because he was unpredictable and he wasn't. She said, oh, he's a bit edgy, likes to be under the radar. And as far as I could tell, under the radar means not paying any tax. Mm. Um, you know, it's all kind of there's there's a there's a real kind of there's edgy and then there's shady. And the dividing line is incredibly narrow. And in fact, I'm not even sure there is a dividing line, basically. Um uh, I don't know, it, and it just it just keeps reminding me when you know when pe- when you know when you hear women saying, "Oh, he's exciting," and it you know it me exciting. Yes, there yes there are obviously good things about that, but it so often just means completely unreliable and flaky and awful. She thinks of her dad as not exciting. Pip, I mean, mm-hmm. and so Toby represents the polar opposite of that somebody who um is more like you know uncle kenton he's you know a bit more adventurous more likely to take risks uh not get hung up on details sees the big picture blah 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 but also thinks that he's above having to earn a living by hard work and perspiration or inspiration you know Mm
8: -hmm. so that's why
7: when you said oh she would say he's exciting it just that's why i went oh because i'm very conscious of this friend at the minute and um you know, worrying about her and her exciting man.
6: So I suppose the question is when Brighton gets revealed, what will will Pip do?
8: Yeah.
7: It depends what stage she's at because reality starts to, I mean, with my friend, it took, it's taken two years for reality to creep in. Uh, But then it took six months of absolute denial where she would not let that thought in that she'd made a big mistake. Hmm. And now she's at, yes, I have made a big mistake. But in the beginning, it was good and it was still worth doing. And I'm still glad I did it. And I think in five years time, I think she'll be thinking, my God, that the whole thing was a nightmare. But it took her a long time. Of, and she sort of went to ground and didn't answer anybody. Didn't get, She went out of contact because she was trying to, she felt like an idiot, I think. She didn't want everyone else to be right. And that that's what's going to happen to Pip. Anyway, Merry Christmas everyone
6: <laughs> 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 it's gloomy. Oh. Who's next? Uh
7: Jojo Sexy Heels One of
8: these days,
6: these boots are gonna walk all over you
5: Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. it's JoJo Sexy Heels here and Merry Christmas to everybody. I just wanted to say that St. Shula has driven me mental this week. And when she was talking about her Christmas presents from Alistair, she was going on the year of the coffee machine, the year he bought me the sat-nav. I have to say, the year that my, now, ex-husband bought me a griddle pan and a Shania Twain cassette tape for Christmas was the year I knew that my marriage was over and he knew very quickly after giving me those presents that our marriage was over so Shula you either shut up or put up and you've put up for all these years so quit moaning about Alistair's total lack of ideas on Christmas presents some men are rubbish at it and they're usually rubbish at the rest of the things in their lives as well so kick him out Start
7: again. You're going to be master of the hunt. So that's me. Okay, everybody. Merry Christmas. Oh, that made me laugh. A Shania Twain cassette and a griddle pan.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
7: we have we have something in common, JoJo, because I have um, some regular present givers in my life who give me startling combinations of presents. Um, once was um, a pair of knickers and an Enya CD. Uh, followed by the next year a pair of pyjamas and a butter churner so uh, my friend and I now play a game where we try and guess what the peculiar combination of things is going to be um, this year's suggestions are a thong and a juicer or a burger <laughs> and a bread maker um, yes Shuna needs to be master of her own hunt uh, well I'm hoping that she that she I know she's being irritating now being all lovey-dovey with with um Alistair but god love her whatever she does we're annoyed with her if when she's when she's moaning about Alistair we don't like her because she's but you know because, well because we just don't like her very much do we really so whatever she does she's kind of annoying um but I hope they get but I like to see I like to see um I like to see struggle I don't like all this soap business where people have a three rows and then split up you know <coughs> and you think no just have three rows and then work out what's going wrong and talk about it and think about it and be a bit more considered and you know don't not just casually walk away just stay and, and try and fix it and um, you so know
6: How many rows should Pip and Toby have before Pip um, kicks one, him out? Half 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 No An
7: eighth of one
6: An eighth of one
7: She shouldn't even let it get to a row, should she? Really, I mean, it shouldn't even be a row, it would just be the realization of what the hell she's doing. Hmm. But in married couples, you know, and things have got a bit boring for Shula and Alistair, haven't they? Well, they've got they were both very exciting for them separately in that Alistair was rogering his his, uh, Daniel's girlfriend, wasn't he Daniel's friend? good heavens i'd
6: forgotten all about that yes. well they didn't actually get to the roger in stage did they i don't know i didn't No, no no but it come you know perilously close
7: yeah so there's that and and the whole gambling thing and all that and then shula so that was his separate thing and then Shula had her crisis with the homeless man and then she had her crisis with fancying richard mm. um docky locky and, but they haven't had any... any. So they've both had a lot of excitement and drama, but separately, they need to now have some together, don't they?
8: Mm-hmm.
7: And uh, and if this Master of the Hunt thing gives them both a bit of a kick, then good. Then, then hopefully they will have a happier 2017.
6: Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yes, it would.
7: It would be nice, really, if 2017 was a bit nicer for everybody, because quite well. frankly, this year has been beyond belief.
6: Well if your surname is Farage or Trump, it's been an awesome year. It yeah. hasn't actually been shitty for everybody, just like for 99% of humanity. Of which, um, oh, I've got to admit that I'm in somewhat of a bubble, which is the word of the moment, in, a, in an echo chamber. And you've got to say it's been a pretty good one for 52% of, uh, of, uh, oh. of us Brits. Hmm.
7: Hmm. Well, good for them. Yes. Now, we have an email from and Cosma, I love her. You.
6: Can I just say that I love her before you eat? Just, just I love her. <clears throat> let let me she... bask in this email.
7: Yes, basky, 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 basky. Dear R, ah, you kept me company on a long drive home after a hard show about Aleppo. Very mm. grateful. I was on a panel at the University of Toronto the other week on Marshall McLuhan and digital landscapes and spirituality. I spoke on how radio provides us with secular liturgies commemorating seasons dividing up the day and how Dumpty Dum has become a virtual community for me out of a hundred people one person put out their hand and said they were an Archers fan unbelievable imagine my surprise when on the long dark drive home after work I heard you Royfield talk about how the Archers marks characters' birthdays in such a unique way over a long period of time what a combination of cool insight and laughs love you guys Merry Christmas thank <laughs> Thank you
6: isn't that lovely it is it is
7: um, oh so you still basking
6: yeah i'm, I'm still basking
7: and we've had a happy christmas message from mrs bubbles miss bubbles sorry in australia she's merry christmas lucy roi from bell and all dumpty dumbers yes merry christmas to everybody yes
6: m- merry christmas to all have we had all of our calls uh yes we have good heavens that, mm. that was really quick mm. uh, yeah i think that you've uh uh kind of manfully driven this podcast all by yourself you've done a very good job
7: powered entirely by day nurse
6: <laughs> absolutely all right um now we've had that i'll tell you what that's a great little advert that uh so now we shall have some more advertisements
9: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds
3: And come back the other
6: side with a touch of Millie Bell from Down Under. She probably lives quite close to Miss Bubbles. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday Fifteen, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both.
1: I mean, I was eight years old. Interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was, was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in um, in a classroom for a year.
4: And awesome, yeah. And um, for me, I well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to to win in the end is that for me, it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together
6: catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every friday afternoon on friday 15 which you can get of course from a podcatcher of your choice
8: Good day
4: everyone, not quite as busy on the forum this week, so I'd like to really encourage you to get over to dumptydum.com forward slash forums and get involved. We do have a few new topics and uh, I keep forgetting that you don't just have to get involved in Archer's topics, there are two areas for you to have a chat and get to know people. On the Facebook page, we were, oh, we loved the fact that uh, Brian's coughing may now be outshining Linda's sniffing. And uh, Sarah Woods Rockall said, thank goodness there isn't a long list of audible ailments to choose. Uh, And Andrew Horn said that the coughing is not as nuanced as Linda's sniffing, but... It was very funny. It was very funny. I loved it. And we also discussed the fact that chili con carne is a euphemism that Susan uses seductively. But is foo-foo also a euphemism and is it for the same thing? Um, Eleanor Dent said, I hear it's difficult to uh, get the stains out of the lure. Uh, Bruce Crawford says, I think you are confusing foo-foo with fufu, and I've got no idea. Uh, Stephanie, Bridges, I think, was the one who started to confuse us with Foo uh, Foo and Foo Foo so uh, lovely funny little discussion happening there do go and have a look and Andrew Horn said I thought he was referring to Christmas lingerie seasonal alternative to chili for signalling afters there's been some gorgeous playful stuff in the arches recently I'm so glad we're back to the arches that we've all loved to love in the past also I was driving into work one day and Neil invited Toby to peel his chin and I nearly lost control of steering wheel so I asked has anything else made us laugh in TA recently uh Liz Villaloba said Susan's irate reaction to Pat's indirect but unsubtle scolding Susan deserved to be told that's absolutely true Clive Davies said yes Brian's coughing fit on Sunday and uh, Eleanor Dent said that uh, she agreed with that uh Paul Broomhead said the prospect of Pip getting her heartbroken, oh and uh Sarah Passingham said that Johnny talking about his rugged good looks now talking of uh Johnny we I wondered if anybody had foreseen the fashion show debacle it just got flagged so much I was sure something was going to bad was going to happen and Pete Ransom wondered whether it was the start of his departure so I hope that's not true uh i do, I did feel sorry for poor Johnny; he was getting his um heart hurt, but then he he does seem to jump into love very quickly, doesn't he? And we also had a bit of a discussion about Debbie coming home for Christmas and whether she would be uh whether we'd actually hear her and Pete Ranson sent us a little poem and it said she's coming home she's coming home she's coming debbie's coming home. Kate sews in her yurt damara capital scheming sixty years of dirt Brian's going to be reeling. Alice's sci-tech seems legit, Adam's eco-plans were fleeting, the family will be split, Justin keeps on dreaming. Hmm. So there you have it, as usual, a bit of funny and a bit of serious in our discussions. Um, Please jump onto the Facebook page or jump onto the forum if you'd like to talk to us. I'd just like to take the opportunity to wish everybody an awesome Christmas. I hope you spend it with people you love. I hope you get some rest and I hope you have some fun. And uh, I shall raise a glass to all of you. So until the next time, hooroo.
6: Thank you, Millie. As always, um, i rather find summing up of all things social in the world of Dumpty Dum but now, Lucy, it's your time to shine and you're going to hit us with some awesome tweets. Kerry Davis tweeted
7: that Louisa Patikas, that plays Helen, will mm-hmm. be presenting Pick of the Year on Radio 4 this year. Kerry Davis tweeted it and Rosemary Whittaker responded with saying, Will Rob be presenting Radio 4's Prick of the Year?
8: <laughs>
7: <laughs> uh, Susan Kassab was talking about that weird Johnny business with Helen. Johnny's and had she had Johnny saying I was always the donkey on account of my big ears um no. Joe DB said Pip is having dinner two minutes walk away from the kitchen not planning a bank robbery and a killing spree you lunatics she's clearly uh getting a little frustrated with the Archer clan um uh lots of people could see you know um David, it was Brian's cough and David's um, indigestion and, and all that that he kept having after he'd had two Christmas lunches um, as 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 am as, as heralding some form of uh, medical episode. Um, and the real Marmaduke, who's if we had any ham on Twitter, said, Christmas heart attack for Dave, the two to one favourite. Unfortunately, I had diabetic coma in the sweepstake.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
7: Amanda White Art had... <clears throat> Johnny gets dumped before he gets started again. Got a feeling there is more to Johnny than we know. An extra head, for instance. <laughs> Poor Johnny. What did you think about the strange bit with Helen and Johnny? Um what about the beard? Yeah, it was all just it was just sort of a lot of comments. Uh, I don't, is Helen supposed to now be some sort of wise wise identifier of, of decent manhood
6: or what? <laughs> I think that with would... <laughs> For me, the whole Helen and Jess thing was that they're slowly but surely wrapping this all up, aren't they? So they, you know, so those two characters have wave wave kind of goodbye to each other. And yes, we believe something might flare up over over Crimbo, but for me, she's segueing and that's what this whole thing with Johnny kind of showed us. She's segueing from being the focal point of the show to her being an observer and actually a commenter on on, on other people <coughs> as opposed to it all being about her yeah that's yeah. for me it was sig- significant in in that way that actually now she isn't you know the family isn't all worried about her and she can actually wisely comment give counsel to be the commentary on somebody else yeah yeah, yeah so because it's not all her exactly exactly
7: um good well, I like that, but I still think there's there is some massive thing is going to kick off on Christmas Day. Mm. Rob's going to try and break in and take Henry or something like that.
6: Because I think also um, the reason why that Helen and uh, Johnny scene was significant is because after Rob comes to the door, because um, Johnny is in the house, isn't he? Yeah. And she then goes back into the house and he's somewhat, obviously visibly distressed. And he says, are you OK? And she settles herself and says, no, no, no. You know what? I'm fine. Yeah. You know, in other words, yeah. I can cope. With, I can cope with this. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually, we all need to move on. The storyline needs to move on. Well, and, I
7: know. I took that as something different. I th- thought, oh, shit, she's lying again. She's saying everything's fine when it's not. I took that as a step backwards that she no. was
6: hiding. Rob definitely, from... definitely a step forward. Definitely okay, a step good. forward.
7: I'm not sure I could cope with any more backward steps, to be honest. Oh, Tweet of the Week was from Mandy Hart, 15, who said, Plot prediction, the Carter's photo shoot. Nice to see the hereditary squint displayed in all three generations. (laughs) I like that. Are you done? Yeah. Cool. All right. Um... Oh, but I do want to say... Mm. I'm about to make Derek a fruitcake to say thank you to him for all his sterling work on um Dumpty Dum this year. And to Shambridges and especially and well, Shambridge's and Millie Bell, who are the unsung heroes of um of Dumpty Dum, really, because um we frequently forget to thank them. <laughs> and uh, you know, to be we don't hear the Shambridges stuff because it just gets put in afterwards in the in the edit and everything. But, you know, they are um harriet and and millie bell are just you know we contact them at the last minute and say could you quickly do so and so for us and they just do it and um they're amazing so so amazing so thank you so much for all your hard work i know how long it takes to collate stuff because even me just doing tweets of the week takes yonks so god knows how long it must take up of your time millie bell um but thank you so much. And we, like even when we put out a call for Dumpty Dums, you've got Djembe to do on and everything. And it's just, you are amazing. And we are so, so grateful to, um, to you and to um, Harriet for all your hard work and just for your sort of availability to cope with our chaotic at the last minute-ness, which is um, uh, more frequent than we would like. But thank you so, so much. We really, really do appreciate it. And we hope you both have a fantastic Christmas.
6: Oh. I will second all of that. Um and just say folks that um next week there'll be a special Dum Dum with Tim and Terry, mm-hmm. the duo return, and uh, we'll be reminiscing about Archer's Christmases past. So um there won't be Juicy Luce and I next week, but it'll be Tim and Terry uh doing what I just told you. Now um yeah. end of the show, dumptydum.com dot com, uh forum shop stuff like that awesome go there smashing super now folks um i'm going to give everybody a special thank you um who's kind of donated to us uh this year uh on the christmas show next week uh because i know we do have some new patreons and we've had a couple more donations uh via paypal um so that's kind of awesome and if you would like to help keep our little show on the road, uh, yes, Patreon and PayPal. So go there, do that. Remember to get in contact with you can call us via SpeakPipe or you can call us on 02031 to leave us a telephone message. Um, and that way you can kind of get on the show and share your insight and your love on the Archers. On social media... Um, specifically twitter we are at dumpty dum uh me i'm at royfield harriet uh the woman of a thousand voices is at Sandbridges.
7: and i am at lucy v freeman
6: on facebook you can find our wonderful facebook group by simply typing in dumpty (sighs) dum uh lucy (laughs) Yes, I
7: think we've absolutely run out of steam this year, haven't we? <laughs> it's been a very, very hard year because the the, the, the tension around um, mm. the Robin Helen thing, I think, just was absolutely knackering. And I'm sure I'm more tired, probably because I'm ill as well, but more tired this year than I am normally. And I'm sure it's because of Archer's related stress. I'm going to sue Kerry Davis for every penny he hasn't
6: got. Would you be suing the
7: right person? No. I'm mm. too scared to sue the person that would be the right person.
6: <laughs> well, Sean O'Connor.
7: <laughs> Voldemort,
6: yes. <laughs> <laughs> See you the other side of Christmas, dear listener. Toodaloo. Bye. Oh, you were awesome. Well done, you. Through your coughing and spluttering, you just you just keep going and make sense and you're very good. Well done. Um. Yeah, that wasn't very good, though, was it? <clears throat> but you were just awesome. Yeah, you do you do your thing, and you just like you know you're like a light switch. You just switch it on, bang, Lucy goes. Yeah,
7: and then I collapse into a heap. <laughs> well, even if you do,
9: a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
6: You do it off-mic, which is excellent. Was I do it <laughs> on-mic, which is <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>